Let Us Go Into the House of the Lord. I'm Pastor Michael Lilienthal. And uh, if you have been listening for a while now, uh, you might remember an occasion when I uh, spoke with Pastor Jeffrey Hendricks uh, about the, the middle of the Advent season, uh, the, the Sunday known as Gaudete or Gaudete. Uh, and uh, if you remember that, it Lent uh, was a, a season of, uh, of violet, uh, is the, the liturgical color, uh, but on Gaudete, uh, the, that liturgical color changes, and you can especially note that most commonly uh, in the, uh, the change uh, of, of which Advent candle is, is lit that Sunday, the third Sunday of Advent, uh, and the third candle is pink, or rose in color. Now, what you might not know is Advent isn't the only season that does that. Lent is also a season of violet or purple, but now on this Sunday, known as Laetare Sunday, uh, the fourth Sunday in Lent, uh, the liturgical color is, once again, rose or pink. Uh, now, it's not terribly common for churches to have rose vestments and pyramids uh, or, or to, to use that color in, in any other, other way. Uh, and in Lent, we don't really have uh, a, a wreath or candles that are specifically lit for the season, so you might... Uh, it's probably why it's less commonly known that uh, the rose color is used uh, on this Sunday. But uh, this Sunday that we're looking forward to, Laetare Sunday, uh, Lent 4, is rose in color. And if you remember why uh, Advent 3 was changed to rose, uh, it was because there's this little glimpse, this little spark of, of joy inserted into the Sunday. And it's the same uh, for Lent 4. Uh I'm going to read to you the intro it, uh, from which we get this, this name, Laetare. If you remember, uh, Advent 3, Gaudete is uh, the Latin command for rejoice. Uh, Laetare is very similar. So the Lent 4 intro it is, Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad with her, all you who love her. Rejoice with her, all you who mourn for her. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Hey, it's a very significant one for this podcast, isn't it? Uh, you'll recognize the last bit of that intro from Psalm 121, um, or 122, I should say. Uh, I know which one, which psalm I'm talking about. But, okay, so the first word of this Lent 4 intro is rejoice. But it's not gaudete, it's laetare, another Latin word for, for rejoice. There are some nuances in there that don't terribly matter uh, all that much. Um, I'm not going to go into it, just know that it's another word for rejoice. We are rejoicing again, right here in the middle of the Lenten season. And we're rejoicing with Jerusalem. Be glad for her, all you who love her. Rejoice with her, all you who mourn for her. Uh, that mourning uh, is the idea of, of Jerusalem in bondage, Jerusalem uh, in, under siege, Jerusalem uh, emptied of, of the true worship of God. But now we rejoice because we see uh, God himself coming back to Jerusalem, coming back to the temple where we go uh, and see that true treasure of our worship uh, in the temple, in the house of the Lord, uh, once again. Uh, the collect for this, this Sunday as well, uh, for Laetare Sunday, is um, collect number 46 on page 153 uh, in the, the Evangelical Lutheran Hymnary. Grant, we beseech you, Almighty God, that we, who deserve to be punished for our evil deeds, may mercifully be relieved by the comfort of your grace. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen. We, we haven't totally abandoned that Lenten theme of uh, the, uh, the focus on our own sins, 
but with that eye also towards Easter, that uh, we are repenting of our sins continually this season, uh, but we, we do that always with an eye towards the, the fulfillment and the forgiveness and the life that comes from Easter. So yes, we acknowledge we deserve to be punished for our sins, but we're asking God to remember his mercy and give us the comfort of his grace through Jesus Christ. Uh, and that's that's what we're looking forward to receiving. Uh, and that ties right again. I want to jump again to the chief hymn now for this Sunday. The chief hymn is hymn 263, uh, which is Jesus Priceless Treasure. Jesus Priceless Treasure, fount of purest pleasure. And it goes on uh, just um, praising Jesus as the, the true uh, treasure, uh, but also the comfort that we have as we are yearning uh, we are looking for the the fulfillment of of our our uh, life, our wandering here on earth. We're looking forward to when God actually gives us uh, the fulfillment uh, of His promises. Um, I th- this has six verses to it. Uh, this this hymn. Uh, so I do want to divide it, um, and I I think I'm going to divide it three and three. Um, we'll. We'll have, uh, for the chief hymn, hymn 263, we'll sing verses 1 through 3. And then for the thanks hymn, uh, we'll sing verses 4 through 6. Uh, again, we are we are going to be observing Rite 1 abbreviated, cutting out the service of Holy Communion for this Sunday. Uh, and uh, therefore, after the sermon, we have the prayer of the church, which will, uh, again, for the Lenten season, be replaced by the litany. Uh, and then we go on to the uh, offering. Uh, and then we sing a hymn before the, the closing prayers uh, and benediction. So that thanks hymn, that hymn following the offering, will be the last three verses of hymn 263. So we get that that hymn very directly in there. Uh, and this is also one that I know is uh, is familiar to people as well. Hymn 263, Jesus Priceless Treasure. It's it's one that's um, fairly common uh, in in our circles anyway. I mean, it's it's such a comforting hymn. It it seems uh, almost simplistic on the surface, you know, Jesus, priceless treasure. Yeah, okay, Jesus is the priceless treasure. But then it goes into depth. We're, we're talking to Satan in this hymn. Uh, Satan, I defy thee. And then talking to death, death, I now decry thee. We're talking to fear, fear, I bid thee cease. We're talking to the world, world, thou shalt not harm thee, harm me. Uh, so we're, we're defying all of our enemies again and, and seeing the certainty of, uh, that we have in this treasure uh, that is that is Jesus Christ. Going on to the uh, the proper the other propers for this day, the epistle lesson uh, for the fourth Sunday in Lent is from Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter four, verses twenty-one through thirty-one. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you really listening to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and one by the free woman. However, the son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh. But the son by the free woman was born through a promise. These things can be used as an illustration. Namely, the women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children into slavery. This is Hagar. You see, this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and she corresponds to present-day Jerusalem, because Jerusalem is in slavery along with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free. She is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, barren woman who does not give birth. Break forth and shout for joy, woman who does not suffer birth pains, because the barren woman has more children than does the woman who has a husband. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of the promise. But just as back then, the one who was born according to the flesh persecuted the one who was born according to the Spirit, so this is also the case now. But what does the Scripture say? 
throw out the slave woman and her son, because the son of the slave woman will certainly not receive the inheritance with the son of the free woman. For this same reason, brothers, we are not children of a slave woman, but of the free woman. Oh, there's a lot to say about this. Start with the theme of the day. Rejoice, slaitare. We rejoice, like uh, this text is is uh, quoting from Je- the book of Genesis. Rejoice, barren woman who does not give birth. We rejoice with her. She is the Jerusalem above. We rejoice with Jerusalem, like the intro it says. And why are we rejoicing? Because we're given this freedom. Because we're given God's inheritance of life uh, and blessing. Because we have this salvation. Because we've been made children of the promise. That's why we're rejoicing. We're rejoicing because we're not under the law. Uh, This whole book of Galatians, this whole epistle, Paul was writing uh, to a church that was, um, should I say, under siege uh, by some false teachers known as the Judaizers. Uh, That is, they were teaching things like, um, uh, Jesus is good, but you still have to observe the Old Testament ceremonial laws, including circumcision. If you really want to be saved, you've got to follow circumcision, you've got to eat the right foods, you've got to worship on the right day, things like that. And um, Paul is saying, no, that's that's keeping yourself slave to the law. And he even points out here that these are children of the flesh, children born according to the flesh. Uh, these are the physical descendants of Abraham, but you who have faith are the true descendants of Abraham. And therefore, you're free. Yes, these, these people who are descendants according to the flesh are going to persecute you. The people who are Uh, Keeping themselves under the law are going to try to keep you under the law, too. Try to make you think that uh, your salvation isn't as free as it actually is. Uh, And instead, they're going to uh, tell you to to follow the the law. Um, I don't know how much more uh, to to say about this. It's it's just... It's a a wonderful text to realize that um, this Jerusalem that we are a part of, like the house of the Lord that we rejoice to, to go into... Uh, is is not a physical place. Uh, the the promise was given to Abraham and to his descendants, but that uh, has ceased meaning his physical descendants. That means the people who have the faith of Abraham. That's who the promise is is for. Now uh, we have that promise by faith. It's it's given to all people. We saw that theme coming through in the Epiphany season when Gentiles. Uh, received the message, received the gospel, and and came to worship the Christ, uh, and he revealed himself to be God in the flesh for the whole world, because he did save the whole world. And anyone who is saved is saved the same way, by faith in Christ, and it's given freely. And that's cause to rejoice. Moving on to the gospel lesson for the fourth Sunday in Lent, we're looking at John chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. We haven't gotten a lot of uh, gospel lessons from, from John, uh, but it's a, this, this is a good one uh, to include here. Um, John 6, 1 through 15. After this, Jesus crossed over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias. A large crowd followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he was performing on those who were sick. Jesus went up on the hillside and sat down there with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a huge crowd coming toward him, he asked Philip, Where can we buy bread for these people to eat? But Jesus was saying this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to have just a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, 
But what is that for so many people? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, so they sat down. There were about 5,000 men. Then Jesus took the loaves, and after giving thanks, he distributed pieces to those who were seated. He also did the same with the fish, as much as they wanted. When the people were full, he told his disciples, gather the pieces that were left over so that nothing is wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with pieces from the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. When the people saw the miraculous sign Jesus did, they said, this really is the prophet who is coming into the world. When Jesus realized that they intended to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. A familiar miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000 uh, with just uh, five loaves of bread and two fish uh, and breaks them apart and miraculously they are turned into enough to feed these these 5,000. Uh, and it's... The, the bread from heaven is, is a concept that's going to continue to come through this chapter in John. Uh, and Jesus is going to say he is the true bread from heaven. That ties back to uh, what Paul uh, said in 1 Corinthians 10 about the people in Israel all eating the same spiritual food. Uh, the manna from heaven. Jesus says that's him. He's that bread from heaven. Uh, he's, he's what nourished the people. And uh, that ties again to this whole theme of Lent that started off on the first Sunday in Lent. Uh, with uh, Jesus' temptation in the wilderness and uh, how he answered the devil's first temptation, man does not live by bread alone. So the point here that should be driven home is don't look at the bread. And that's what the people did at the, in this last verse. They they were going to come and take him by force and make him king. What, a, what an absurd sort of set of circumstances for, for people to have to come and take someone by force to make him king. Well, what they were looking for was a bread king. Uh, a king who would continue to feed their bellies. Uh, but what they should have been looking at is is the true nourishment that Jesus provided. Yes, he provided food for their bellies. Yes, he took care of their earthly needs. But that all is looking towards a greater nourishment that he provides. He is the true bread. He himself is what nourishes us for eternal life. And we receive him through word and sacrament. The word of God, that's what we live by. And that's how we receive that forgiveness of sins and the life that is Jesus' own life in, the, in baptism that's connected to that same word of God. The, the water and the word together give us new life in Christ, joining us to that empty tomb of his. And in the Lord's Supper itself, we actually eat the bread that is Jesus' body and drink the, the, the wine that is his blood. Uh, we receive him in those, in those ways. So whatever other... Uh, Physical blessings we might have pale in comparison to those blessings. So those physical things are certainly blessings and we should rejoice to receive them. But what do we really rejoice for always? And what do we know for certain we always have? You know, people die of starvation and God hasn't given a promise that no Christian would ever die of starvation. But he does promise that no Christian will die from starvation. And what I mean by that is that no Christian will face eternal death by starving from lack of God's grace. He provides that for eternity. We are given eternal life. If we die in this life, that, uh, as Paul says in his letter to the Philippians, that's gain. <laughs> that means we live. When we die, we live. Uh, so uh, we have those, those true promises of God. Uh, and this miracle of Christ's in feeding all of these people shows that his his body, if, if this if this simple bread and fish can feed 5,000 people, how many people do you think the body of God can feed? 
that's something very significant to understand here. So that's the gospel lesson uh, for this fourth Sunday in Lent. Next, uh, we'll look at the Old Testament lesson, uh, which uh, we're going to step back a little bit. Uh, and uh, you probably might guess what this is going to be talking about in the book of Exodus. Uh, we, we've gone ahead uh, to chapter 32 already in Exodus, and before that we were in Exodus 17. Well, now we're going to jump back to Exodus 16. Exodus chapter 16, uh, and it's going to be a, a, a jump in verses, verses 1 through 3 and 11 through on the fifteenth day of the second month, after they had left the land of Egypt, the entire Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. The entire Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat around pots of meat and ate as much food as we wanted. But now you have brought us out into this wilderness to have this whole community die of hunger. And we jump ahead to verse 11. The Lord spoke to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Say to them, at evening you will eat meat, and in the morning you will eat bread until you are full. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. So in the evening quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning a layer of dew surrounded the camp. When the layer of dew was gone, there were thin flakes on the surface of the wilderness, thin as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, what is it? Because they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given to you as food to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. All of them are to gather as much of it as they need to eat. You are to take an omer per person, based on the number of people each of you has in your tents. The Israelites did this, and some gathered more, some less. When they measured it with an omer, the one who gathered more did not have too much, and the one who gathered less did not have too little. All of them gathered as much as they needed to eat. Moses said to them, No one is to leave any of it until morning. However, they did not listen to Moses. Some of them left part of it until morning, and it became full of worms and stank. So Moses was angry. All right, so we get that uh, account of the manna in the wilderness. Manna, of course, is uh, Hebrew for what is it? Uh, <laughs> what is it, they said, and that's how it got its name, as, as manna. Uh, this miraculous bread from heaven that Jesus says is, is him. He's, he's that miraculous bread. Uh, we, we get a, 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 the point here is for the people to trust in God and to rejoice in the blessings that he does give. Uh, you know, they're supposed to take as much as, as they need to eat, and each one miraculously winds up with exactly how much they, they need. But if they take too much and try to save it, uh, that, that shows they don't trust in God. They, that shows that they don't uh, believe that God will continue to provide for them. Uh, they're worried that they're going to run out. Um, so they, they try to hoard this, this bread for themselves. It's the same as the, the 5,000 who tried to make Jesus their bread king. They weren't trusting in God's real promises. They wanted their own promises fulfilled by God, their bread king. Um, but we see that God does truly provide this bread. He, he provides this uh, even while uh, Israel is, is grumbling against him and Moses, as they so often do. Uh, it, I, I haven't been actually keeping a tally here, but is there a single lesson from uh, the, the book of Exodus that hasn't had Israel grumbling, <laughs> uh, there, there might have been, but um, it's, it's so common for, for what Israel did. They, they weren't getting what they wanted. They were getting what God was giving to them. And uh, that's, that's something that we need to keep in mind as a lesson for us as well. Are we getting what we want or what God provides? And when we receive what God provides, the appropriate response is, as this Sunday says, to rejoice. Rejoice in what God has provided for us because it is uh, a blessing that is incomprehensible. It's, it's beyond our ability to grasp. It's 
it's just a, a, a beautiful blessing of forgiveness, life, and salvation in his son, Jesus Christ, who died to save us. In that humble way for Jesus to die, in this, this miracle of this simple bread that God provides, uh, he gives life to his people uh, as they wandered in the wilderness. Looking at the hymns uh, for, for this Sunday, well, let's look at the, the psalm uh, as well. Psalm 125 is the psalm for, for this Sunday, and I think um, we've brought that one up before, haven't we? Maybe. Let me look at Psalm 125 and see if that one's uh, in here. It is not. I didn't think it was. Psalm 125 is not available here. But uh, let's look at uh, what is available. Um, Psalm 122 would be appropriate uh, that uh, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord, it being part of that uh, that intro it. Um, I'll, I'll keep a finger in that uh, because I think that might be the best option. Yes, that's what we'll do. Psalm 122, um, it goes to, according to tone one uh, on page 192. Uh, so that'll be the psalm for the day. Then looking at uh, other hymns, uh, we've already got uh, 263 divided for chief hymn and uh, uh, hymn of thanks. Um, another one that uh, is familiar to people is hymn 262, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah. Um, it's just three verses, uh, pretty pretty easy. Um, and uh, that might be a good way to close the service. Hymn 262 uh, will be the, the last hymn. So then we just need an opening hymn. Um, and I do so love look. And uh, hymn 20 might be a, a great one. That's another one that I've been told is familiar to people. Uh, it's by Paul Gerhardt, one of my favorite uh, hymn writers of all time. So I'm, I'm happy to choose that. Uh, but it's Holy Ghost Dispel Our Sadness. Holy Ghost, dispel our sadness, pierce the clouds of sinful night. Uh, we're, we're asking the Holy Ghost to come and, and give us his joy, his gladness. So this rejoicing that we do on this Sunday, uh, we see why, why we do that. It's because the Holy Spirit gives us um, his, his joy, gives us the, the joy of, of the means of grace. Uh, when we receive those blessed gifts, when we come into this sanctuary of God, that's where we receive this this ultimate joy. Um, I, I do wish I had some some uh, pink vestments and pink pyramids to to show off for for this, because uh, it is such a uh, such a neat way to visually depict all of this. I'll make reference to it uh, in the service itself, uh, so that people um, can can imagine it. Um, but I understand that um, you know it's probably the rarest color of vestments out there um, and, and, and uh, pyramids, so uh, I'm not going to uh, expect any congregation to, to jump at, at purchasing that. There are certainly other things uh, to spend money on uh, in churches, but uh, it, it's, it's, it's an interesting way to, to keep that visually aligned there, that we're rejoicing in all of this. That's what theme should be going through this whole Sunday, is that rejoicing. We rejoice to be in Jerusalem. We rejoice to be in the Lord's house. And we're there with one another, others who have received the same faith, uh, who, who are given the, the life of Christ. Uh, what greater reason for joy is there? You can find information about the show and contact us at tapestryradio.org slash Lord's House. Uh, Our Saviors Lutheran Church's website is OurSaviorsELS.com, and you can find me on Twitter at M-G-L-I-L-I-E-N-T-H-A-L. Please do uh, give us feedback, give us questions, 
uh, ask uh, ask questions and, and uh, leave comments and, and other thoughts that have occurred to you, or if there's something that I didn't mention that you know about this this lectionary and these these liturgical observances, please share those there. Uh, but uh, until we meet again, peace be within you. Obscurantism and obfuscation. Orally observed, gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Obviated objects of oblivion. Obambulating about. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. In the Tapestry Radio Network. Tapestryradio.org. From our fancy to yours. yours.